Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Well, good morning, New Jersey. It is Thursday, September the 3rd. This is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast. I'm Bob Williams, along with our host, Jim Gerhardt. And uh, good morning to you, Jim. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. I have a warning. Let me have a red flag warning here, everybody, right off the bat. This is important. Uh, be very careful with the, uh, the, the uh, what is it, the auto spell when you text. And Bob and I had an experience this morning. <laughs> did you see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, what I was doing. I, I was we were, we were the entire meaning of a, of a sentence. It changed the entire meaning. And I said, OK, I'll uh, I'll be back with you. I'll get back in touch after I get through with the dog wrangling, because we walked the dobies every morning for about an hour. And but it came out with the auto spell and I didn't check it through. It said, I'll be back after I complete the dog worming. <laughs> now, I, I could just see me flitting about the neighborhood, you know, merrily grabbing dogs around the neck. <laughs> Thing, the suppository. Well, yeah. anyway, that's a long story. Yeah. But especially <laughs> breakfast time, you, you don't want to yeah. have that. So just be very careful. <laughs> but it makes you think, God knows what I've done in the past, what I've said to people without checking it. Now, you, I, I tell you, I'm, I, this is going uh, to, to, from one extreme to the other. You just told me an extremely sad thing. I, I had no idea. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it just was announced last time. I'm sorry if, I, if you're just finding out. Uh, you know, Tom Seaver, all-time Hall of Famer and the greatest Met of all time, passed away, um, was announced yesterday. 75 years old. Um, Tom had yeah. uh, contracted uh, Alzheimer's over the last couple of years, and he went away from public life in uh, 2019. And, you know, we knew the day was going to come, but we didn't know it was going to come this soon. Only 75, Jim. Greatest Met of all time. Yeah. I, I, I'm really stunned by that. You you just you think that Tom Seaver is is immortal. Put your come on, do your commemorative Mets hat. Put it on here. Mets hat on uh, there, and uh, also you know, I, what what, what what is your if you had one memory? You know, it's easier for me, I think, because I've not followed the team as closely as you of, of later years. I'm more familiar with it in its its heyday when I was in New York. But uh, what would be your what would come to mind if I say your your memory, your recollection of Tom Seaver? What would be the number one thing that just jumps out there? That he was everything. He's everything that they uh, said he was. He was the franchise. He put the 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 uh, the team on the map. Um, so many people are talking about him today. When he stepped into that locker room in 1967, Ed Cranepool said that changed the entire face of the organization. And just growing up, when I first started following the Mets in '72, I I'm not uh, I don't go back to 69, unfortunately, but, you know, following them, everything was about Seaver and just right through. And frankly, my my memory of 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 the Mets and Seaver was the the horrible trade that the Mets made in 1977. I was like 13, 14 years old and they they traded uh, the greatest player in the franchise history away because they didn't want to pay him what what he was worth they the Mets were just cheap they were mismanaged for years not only this current management but the previous management they trade him away Jim and then well, he goes to even greater success he pitches a no hitter for the Cincinnati Reds they bring him back in 1983 to pitch again for the Mets then they lose him again from to an expansion draft because of an oversight so he pitches his 300th win for the Chicago White Sox and it's it's just uh, it's just a shame, but he is just the greatest player, and thousands of fans of, uh, across baseball are just hurting today. I have just one you know quick recollection in '69. Uh, 
uh, going over and I worked in New York. And of course, we get sort of free entree to the ball games at Shea. And going up to watch, and I, I don't recall who they're playing, but one time watching the warm-up, here was Tom Sievert, Jerry Kuzman, and Nolan Ryan. Oh, man. And Nolan Ryan warming up, if you never saw that, at that time was a phenomenon because when he, the catcher, you know, this is on the sidelines, he cut loose with a fastball, and the thunderclap of the ball hitting the catcher's mitt, which has reverberated throughout the stadium. They were they were great days. Now let's, let's pull it back to the present. I uh, don't mean to minimize that, and I certainly appreciate your enthusiasm. Oh, you got a picture and everything. Huh? I've got my 1975 Mets yearbook with all of his strikeouts. He did like seven years of the top strikeouts up to that point, and God, Tom, we just love you, and you know, thanks for all the great memories. You know, We could go on. I could talk for an hour about him. He's just, he's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, well, let's see what what else is going on here in the Great Garden State today. Uh, we've got what well, we got. Well, I, I think it would interest people. Taxes now. We have this week. Oh, yeah. We have a couple of uh, tax proposals. What is it? Nineteen cents a gallon on uh, gasoline. Nine point three cents a gallon, almost a dime, going up on October first. Oh. So that makes it. it was... No, that makes the total since uh, since the increase back in twenty sixteen of fifty cents a gallon. It's gone up. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the, the one time it was 14, uh, 14 and a half cents, I remember. And then it just incrementally kept creeping up there. To be, well, used to be one of the lowest in the nation, and now it's one of the highest. One yeah. of the highest. Yeah. And, of course, you got the cigarette tax coming up, which is right. – I that, that one is hard to, to see. I, I It doesn't hit me personally. It doesn't hit, I guess, most people now personally because, you know, smokers are down. But – what does that make the cost of a pack of cigarettes the, with the new, what, what is it on top uh, of? Uh, well, the, the, the tax, I believe, uh, $4.15 a pack. That's what it's going to be in October, uh, the tax. So I um, figure it's going to be about uh, 11 or 12 bucks uh, a pack of cigarettes because I think cigarettes were between 9 and 10, 10 bucks a, a pack and uh, about 120 a carton. So, yeah, you're probably between 10 and 12 bucks a, a pack. But my question is, they tell us that demographically anyway, most smokers or the preponderance of smokers are among the lower, what economically, uh, the economically challenged people, if you want. Uh, where do they get the money? Uh, that's $120 for a carton of cigarettes Amazing. that I used to buy back in my smoking days for as little as $2.15 right. a cart in Virginia. Well, anyway, but back to the uh, the highway tax now. Uh, some changes have been made in the meantime since I was you know full time. We were doing the morning show at the radio station. We were keeping full time watch over this stuff. It at one time the gasoline tax was supposed to go into the transportation trust fund. Now the transportation trust fund legendarily never had very much money in it because the money did not go into a dedicated fund. They, they were just words. It went into the general fund, the trough, as we used to know it, to be spent according to however they wanted to do what would buy the most votes to keep the professional politicians in office. Uh, but uh, the at that time, now I understand that since then, there has been some dedication of some part of it or increase in taxes or other. The new legislation that went in in 2016 under Governor Christie, um, that was, uh, I believe, a legal tender where any funds 
uh, created under the gas tax are are definitely dedicated to the transportation trust fund. No ifs, ands, okay. ands. Well, one year, uh, <laughs> back in the early days, uh, Christy Whitman's administration, she wrote into office by uh, almost got beaten by Florio because uh, he was he was she was behind on the poll. She came up with this new idea with a new manager that's saying that she was going to cut the taxes by 25 percent. And of course, that got the voters back on her side. Everybody wanted a big tax cut, but it was never made clear how she was going to do it. But when she got into office, what they did, they took the money from the Transportation Trust Fund moved it over and used that to support the Department of Transportation. Therefore, in the general budget, the Department of Transportation, that amount of money was reduced from it. Therefore, they call that 25% reduction. Now, you go figure it out, but that, that's it's what the old, happened. The old but shell game. Yeah. The shell game. But here's the rub. Let's say that all the money is dedicated and it goes to the Transportation Trust Fund. Where does that money go? Where does the money go now? Uh, I will not try to get into specifics because I do not have all the specifics. Obviously, some of it goes for transportation, which will include mass transportation as well as the roads. New Jersey, let's let's get to the highways. New Jersey spends, and this again was a figure that was pretty well accepted, average a million dollars a mile a year maintaining the state roads. Why? Now, in South Carolina, I recall, they re uh, did the same type of work, the same amount of work on the roads. They did it for $36,000 a year per mile. This is yeah. per mile, not, not gross they, spend. What are they using, a better grade of asphalt down there? In well, that, you see, that, uh, that's a long story, and I'm not sure how it came out. We, at one time, we were working on that, uh, the people on the air at New Jersey 101.5. We had uh, Roberta Gale. You remember Roberta, yeah. Yeah. who was who was one of the people, an enormously talented lady who was on the air with us, uh, part of a team later with uh, Brooke Daniels. But Roberta was a trained investigative reporter, as it turned out. She also did a call in evening radio show. But she decided to to get into the nuts and bolts of this expenditure. So. What she did, she spent a lot of time in Trenton going through documents and, and then the state library and the like. What it was tending toward is that the uh, huge amount of money, one of the reasons that they spent a million dollars a mile was the cost of materials in New Jersey, as opposed to the cost of the same materials in other states. Then she found out, and this is this is sort of legendary now, because real quick, she dropped out of that <laughs> because she was going in areas in which uh, it was considered at the time best not go. But anyway, it, it was essentially the, the cost of the materials, the redundancy uh, in, in the work and the spending. And of course, the, uh, the contract uh, contractors, every, see, everybody got their, their, their snoot in the trough uh, on, this, on this work. And the unions, of course, uh, naturally, which is extremely urgent to New Jersey politicians, the, the support of the unions. So uh, it was an interesting story. But the gist of it is that at that time, a million dollars a mile yeah. average maintaining the roads as opposed. To, oh, uh, we had somebody on the air, John Cobalt, uh, part of the old John and Co uh, uh, Ken team. 
He called North Dakota and said, how much do you spend a mile? He got the head of their transportation department. <laughs> Ten bucks. They were spending like chicken feet. <laughs> oh, here's another thing. One time they were putting up a big sign somewhere in the, on an approach to the George Washington Bridge on the turnpike or around that big interchange. And the sign itself was going to cost a million dollars. Well, John got on the phone again to the head of the Department of Transportation in one of the Midwestern states. I think it may have been one of the Dakotas. He described the sign, gave all the all the dimensions of the statistics of the sign and said, now, if you were ordering this sign, how much would you think you'd have to pay for it? Now, this is a sign that we were paying a million dollars for. Okay. He figured a couple thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have to ask yourself where the money goes. I don't know. Uh, the money went down the, the rat hole. The great rat hole pump is whirling away when you get into transportation in New Jersey. Okay. Well, I, uh, I know they, the, they say they're spending it on a lot of projects. I see a lot of uh, press releases and things like that. But, you know, for, for the impact to the commuter, I mean, just talking roadways for a second, I see at least a half a dozen projects throughout the state. I can rattle them off that really needed redesigns to improve the flow of traffic. And, you know, I would think that the, the money from the gas tax should be used to, you know, improve people's lives on the highways with uh, with a better infrastructure or or more capable infrastructure as opposed to what we have right now. But I'm not seeing it. So it's the it's the big question. Where's the money? Where's my money? Where's my well, road? The, toll, the toll roads, you think it would come out of the tolls. Right. And did you mention of the treasury. Did, did we mention that uh, the, in addition to the gas tax, we're getting a, that toll increase that was in, approved in the spring on um, on the uh, turnpike of the parkway? I'm not mm. sure the specifics, but I know I believe the the one dollar fifty cent tolls on the parkway are going up about forty cents, and the turnpike is going to have another increase. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. Maybe October or sometime uh, later this year. But yeah, and uh, you would think that that would be able to fund some of the infrastructure improvements, but it would be safe to opine that the the best is yet to come or the worst is yet to come. When you consider the huge debt the state has, the fact of the questionable revenues over a period of time, uh, the budget has jumped just oh, to me. It was almost overnight. It went from uh, what is it? It went from 20, uh, what, I think, 30 billion to 40 or something like that. Right. It, it, it went way up. Uh, and uh, so, uh, <laughs> you, you question what what else now? What else now can they tax? You know, you notice one thing they never touch is the alcohol beverage tax. Right. Yeah. And the 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 the, uh, the, uh, the common wisdom was at the time that that's because the members of the legislature would have to pass that. They don't want to have to spend extra money for their booze. Right. Now they don't smoke. They got no. They got no problem with that. Oh, you know another thing talking about roads. I think it's the first of the year. There is new driver's licenses for people in the country illegally or undocumented, as we euphemistically call them. January. Now, I saw a story yesterday that was quite interesting in that uh, the state has established some criterion for getting this. You don't just walk in if you're in the country illegally, give them a name or make up a name or whatever, and then bang, you know, they, they whip a driver's license on you illegal. They have to provide proof of a tax ID or a letter from Social Security uh, make say that they're eligible for a tax ID and 
Yet the advocate groups now for the people in the country illegally are up in arms and screaming and yelling and bleating because this puts them in danger. Because any information that they give at all could be turned over to immigration authorities. Right. Therefore, they are in fear of their livelihoods and their lives. So my Uh, so my question on that topic is if a Social Security number is not required for that person to apply for license, why do I need to submit my social? Why is that? uh, Why is that? this is the thing. They, 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 number one, they would have to provide a social security number, which they shouldn't have, I would think, or provide the uh, proof of a tax ID. Uh, so that would be, I, I would imagine, the one that most would be faced with. You know, something about this whole uh, immigration thing. Why are we, why do we continue this pussyfooting around? The people aren't going anywhere. You may as well just make up your mind to cut out all the commotion, all the distractions and say, "Okay, if you got your foot on the soil, you're in. Forget it. Go vote. Do anything you want. Uh, It's coming to that because this this is what is now the politically correct attitude toward this. So uh, but we still play around with this constantly, this business. So so that I believe that's in uh, starts the first of January. This this will be available. If they want to jump through the the, the hoops, right. um, let's see. What else in New Jersey is going on? Here? Well, the the election debacle is uh, going yeah. on. We're less than what? Uh, we're yeah. We're actually are we? We're two two months away today, Jim, from yeah. uh, from November third election. So we're looking at um, what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, mail in balloting is going to be the majority of the way people are going to end up voting here in the state, whether you like it or not. Um, I know the, uh, re- the the ruling for uh, from the governor said that each town will be required to keep at least one polling location open. Um, we've heard that a couple of towns, including Middletown, is going to have all of their normal polling places open to their citizens, to the registered voters. Um, I'm wondering if Middletown is going to be um, the leader here in giving people reason to argue for their own towns to say, hey, I want my polls open. I don't want to be, you know, putting well, my mail or absentee. What do you think of that? Well, you know how many towns there are in New Jersey? 565. Incorporated towns, yeah. And each one now <laughs> will be caught up in this, this, this chaos, this confusion. So if you want to vote, uh, first of all, the, uh, the Democrats, uh, I guess, have arranged that if you do not have a mail-in ballot, they will come around and give you one on an enema. This is, you know, ultimately this is what's going to happen and it'll all change over to that. The next step above that will be all, it'll all be digital. Uh, So this, Well, I I think voting online, I think that that would be a heck of a lot safer if you have uh, a secure website or whatever. And I, I would be more inclined to vote online. I mean, the IRS and all the government agencies, they have uh, portals that you can do everything online. Why can't we vote online? There is no such thing, Bob, as you well know, as a secure uh, system. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Really? I mean, right up to the very top, huge things have been hacked and it can be done because other countries have people working full time. You know, right. figuring out ways to do it. And of course, that is something that they fear will come up in this current election. So uh, that um, 
I, I prefer, I, maybe it's just being traditional, but I feel much safer going to the polls. Uh, same here. That was, you know, that's been rigged, you know, at times in the past, too. But I think what's going to happen is, is in, uh, more of the confusion and the chaos of life is after the election, especially if it's a close election, the presidential and the congressional election coming up in November, if it's close, the loser is not going to accept it. No. Uh, and there are going to be rumors and there will be testimonials from people that they dredge up about fraud. Already, there was one of the TV uh, news networks had some people on uh, what uh, one of the morning shows, I believe it was last week. I read about it. And he's from New Jersey and he's talking about it in New Jersey and he's talking about how easy it is to rig mail in ballots and how they've been doing it for years uh, by bribing the post, <laughs> the delivery, the postal people and, and other means that they have to do it, too. So, you know, something else. Just jumping around here, this, I was just thinking this business of the mob rule. And I saw a picture, uh, you know, a, a clip on television the other night of this uh, big fire, the big demonstration or a riot outside the home of the mayor of Portland, Oregon, which is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's their biggest supporter. Right. He goes, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't don't mess with you, my house. And, but now, if, did you see that clip of yeah. one of those? He apologized. They're they like lighting fires outside his house. I don't think they destroyed his house, but they were really no. making his neighborhood uncomfortable. Now, I ran this thing again. I was looking. Now, they, this is under the umbrella of the Black Lives Matter. These are legitimate uh, reasons for uh, certainly for the uh, the organization. But the organization apparently has been hijacked by I don't know what. If you look at that in the light of the fire, I didn't see a black face. These are all white faces and they weren't kids and they looked like college kids and they didn't look like younger kids who may be doing something in sympathy with with their friends these look like pros to me i mean these are people in their what 20s 30s and, and beyond hired hands exactly they look very businesslike going about this right. mm -hmm. so isn't it, it's time somebody oh, oh also what is it be uh, why are they doing this because they can they have been given carte blanche to create all the chaos and the damage and the violence that they wish. Now, the uh, the I, I guess it was the city of Portland or the state. I think it was the city. Uh, the head prosecutor has said that there are certain things he's just not going to prosecute. And inciting to riot is one of them. Is one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And looting reparations. But that mayor who was giving and giving, giving, like you said, I'm on your side. They go to rip down his neighborhood and then the mayor has to issue an apology to his neighbors. I'm sorry because of my political position that your families have been put in jeopardy and that your <laughs> livelihoods and all of your worldly possessions are going to be burned tomorrow night. Sorry about that. Wouldn't you like to know who's pulling the strings? I mean, really at the top. Who is being <laughs> Buffalo Bob to all this howdy duty that's going yeah, on? Right. Who is it? It's not these people. I do not believe that it is necessarily the head uh, radical lefts in the Democratic Party. Somebody is pulling this off. I don't know who it is. Uh, I think everybody would have maybe have their suspicions. But here is an interesting thing. The media is 90 percent or more a supporter of this stuff that's going on. Right. And certainly they ignore the uh, much of the important information involved in these things and they simply uh, they back 
What, what was it uh, in, a, in a press conference? Uh, the candidate Biden, he's blaming all this chaos on Donald Trump. Right. That's a liberal trick that goes back to, I, I guess, communism or what have you. You if, if a problem comes up, you blame the problem on your victims because these are problems that you caused. If you've caused a problem, you blame it on the victim. Of course. And this is what they're doing now. They're blaming this on, on people. Uh, who might be conservative and resistant to what's going on. I, w- I was having just a thought here. Um, would people back earlier in this country have put up with this mob rule? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I would think that certainly if you go back to colonial days or, or beyond that even uh, to more recent times, I think citizens would be up in arms and and demanding that this violence be put down or else they would want to get out there and help put it down. The violence, the uh, the, the looting, uh, the rioting, and, and, and what's going on here with this. Now, uh, what have we become again as a nation? Why, why is there not a mass reaction to this? Mm. Now, it is argued that people are afraid to speak out because of the current uh, restrictions on free speech. You know what that'll do for you. And so everybody's sort of seething inside. This may well be, and there's a feel that this may tip an election because of this this suppressed response to it, made even more intense by the fact that it's suppressed. You can't just go out and say, I disagree with this. But are we a generation, and I guess this is the way I put it down, are we a generation of lethargic sheep? Have we become that? And you just look at these things and you you pay no attention to it. Uh, and the average American, is he sitting there and saying, well, you know, I, I'd kind of like at night to get out and, and, and contact authorities. I'd like to support the police. I'd like to do this. But I, I, the uh, Dingleberry Dynasty's on channel on, on the uh, learning channel tonight. I can't miss that. It's Bandicoot Week on the Discovery Channel. Nobody wants to get out and miss any of that. Oh, oh, and the last episode of Mississippi Chicken Chokers, yes. Jim Clam got got his privates caught in his zipper. What well, was he doing? What's doing his business. People, right? I, 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 I got to wait tonight. I got to see if he gets it out. I can't go out and <laughs> counter demonstrate. So I don't know. This, oh, boy, we're, we're living in a, <laughs> an era of great foolishness. I well, mean. What, we, what we can hope is that people from all sides of the political aisle, people of decency from whoever you are, just come together and just realize this is ridiculous and we're not going to stand for it. And we need to stick up for for common decency and goodness. And all of this uh, rioting and all of this pilfering is just not what we were raised to do here. People uh, that attitude, which is a noble attitude, Bob, and I praise you for it, uh, are are piddling into the wind because there are so many. This is one of the great frustrations. So many people are saying things as you did. You you uh, go, go to a radio station, Dennis and Judy. Some of the things they write, Bill, uh, uh, Jeff, and Bill, and all very similar. Well, what happens? Nothing. It has no effect. It just runs off people's backs. Uh, you just, uh, that that is enormously discouraging. As we see, I, uh, one more thing I wanted to mention. I thought was kind of funny in a sense. Uh, I'll quote uh, a quote from Jonathan Swift. Jonathan Swift was the man who wrote Gulliver's Travels, great author of British uh, literature. 
And I was thinking about this in the media, especially, but also the political, almost hysteria, anti-Donald Trump. Here's what Swift wrote. He said, when a great man appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that there will be a confederation of dunces rising against him. Now, I never thought of Donald Trump as, as a, I think he's, he's been certainly, uh, pragmatically, it's been a positive presidency. Like everybody else, I kind of winced yeah. <laughs> his personality. But be that as it may, by, by Swift's definition, Donald Trump is a great man. If you go about this backwards, the Confederacy of Dunces. Now, here you get media. You get the uh, the radicals, you get the educated elite, you get the uh, discontented, you, you get media, of course, more than anything, all united with one almost frantic, hysterical, out of control frenzy to, to get Donald Trump. Well, if that's the sign that, that a great man has, has appeared among us, well, there's no other conclusion. Yeah. Well- Lou Hockman, our, Lou, Lou Hockman, our pitching coach, is here. He's going to take us out of the game. He says it's time to go. So uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. And uh, thanks to uh, Dan Alexander for helping us put some of this together, Lou Hockman, and, of course, you, right? One one thing. Next week, hopefully, we yes. will have, a, a to me, the, the essential New Jerseyan. And, well, we'll tell you, you'll find out next week who it is. We will have the great pleasure of talking to the man who knows more about New Jersey, yeah. known to more people in New Jersey, and yet with something of a low profile. You'll see, coming up next week. Looking forward to that. Have a great uh, Labor Day weekend, everybody. We'll catch you next Thursday. Let's go. Bless, God bless everybody. All of us. Or do we need it? Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast.